Download the app. Bet big, win bigger. I've got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $5, win $400. If you're a new WinBet player, you can make your first deposit of $20 or more and become eligible for the offer after opting in. Following your first deposit, you can place a minimum $5 straight bet on any spread, over, under, or money line wager with odds of minus 120 or greater and have a chance to win $400 as a free bet credit. Come on, guys and gals. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. And let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Welcome to the Green Light Podcast. I'm Cowboy Reed. Cowboy. Mm. On today's episode, Chris and Macon talk LeBron James versus Isaiah Stewart, recap Monday Night Football, and dissect Macon's recent betting woes. Coach Jim Mora joins to talk UConn football, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, coaching in the NFL, and teenage game clock managers. Enjoy. Chevy Chase, Maryland. Hello. All right. So, question I have here. I have the answer. You don't 100%. even have to. You don't even have to ask it. Was it named after him? Actor and comedian Chevy Chase was born Cornelius Crane Chase. His grandmother nicknamed He's him Chevy after the wealthy Maryland community. Oh, which wow. is bizarre. Like really weird. I couldn't tell you about any of the movies. I know there's a pool uh, scene, Christmas the, Vacation. Yeah, I know all that. Like I know about those movies. It's also but Vacation. I'm I'm a lot like the Saved by the Bell thing. I have like a loose like I can nod along with the conversations. But if you were like, tell me which lampoons you like best. Christmas Vacations become a staple for me every year. I know. I watch like three of them. I watch like that. Home Alone and Love Actually, I think. There's no Thanksgiving movies, huh? Is that right? I don't know. Is there a genre watch, for Thanksgiving? We watch Ball on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Ball. We're going to talk about Ball. Yeah. Just not a Chevy Chase guy. Not a Saved by the Bell guy. What happened to my childhood? I don't know. Layup line. You want to do that today, too? Yeah. Can't turn you loose. Originally by the great Otis Redding, we had a nickname, King of Soul. King, uh, no, King yeah, of Soul. King of Soul. He's also the Madman from Macon. Were you aware of that? I wasn't aware that they called him the Madman from Macon. Madman from Macon. 
Um, can't turn you loose. Also done by the Blues Brothers in the mall scene. They're running through the mall. Again, Blues car. Brothers, not a movie that I'm really familiar with, but I did laugh along with your joke at your wedding. Thank you. If you missed that in the pod when we talked about it at his wedding, he did a Blues Brothers speech, like a toast, and planted me as a laugher. Never seen the movie. I sold it. You sold it. It worked. And we've been uh, hollered at by somebody else asking permission. Found out he was a hokey, which is cool. It's yeah, cool. It's fun. Who asked if he could do that out of, I think, a best man speech? I said, go for it. We don't make a, a, as big a deal as you hokies about the whole thing. We're going to kick your fucking ass this weekend. Yeah, it's Tate weekend. I know I never could, but these kids are going to kick your fucking ass, and I'm going to watch on TV. I've never felt more confident in this. <laughs> Vegas has never felt more confident. Two the decades stretch. A touchdown plus for us to beat yeah. Virginia Tech. For those of you listening who, didn't, who live in the other 49 states, for about 15 solid years there, we got beat by Tech in a row. Yep. In our defense, we're like one and two in games where we had the better better team yeah, in, this, so, in the last yeah. 20 years. I can't turn you loose. Yeah. Otis Redding, uh, Isaiah Stewart could not be turned loose he or else be. what? Well, His face turn- would have been more bloody. No, than it I, th- I actually, I got him. I, I think I got, he's got a lot less to lose than LeBron. Like LeBron's face was just like, I know LeBron can fight. No question about it. He's a super athlete. He's from Akron. He's probably had to scrap once or twice. I know this Isaiah kid when he's mad could probably fight. <laughs> I mean, he ran through everybody. I've never seen like, you know, the whole hold me back thing, hot seat guys saying, hold me back. Cause like from now on, Unless you do an Isaiah uh, Stewart. Stewart, like I don't believe you, because this guy was legitimately trying to get at LeBron James, and LeBron he, was just standing there like, "Dude, I'm too rich to fight, man." He had plans. He was going into different out Bro, one portal in the other. What was amazing is that people at home got to see like if you ever want to get at somebody, you have to be like, "I'm cool, I'm cool." Take two steps away and then dart right at that person like that's the actual cheat code if you want to really put your hands on somebody you act like you're cool and he even had a backup plan when they escorted him out of the stadium they were like okay man okay you're good like go back to the locker room get some of that blood off your face and he was like all right i'm cool i'm cool bolted knew which direction uh lebron james his locker room was and bolted to try to intercept lebron james in the locker room like nobody has wanted to fight somebody as bad as uh, Isaiah Stewart wanted to fight LeBron James. And John Boy, shout out to John Boy, did a great breakdown. Really great play-by-play. Great play-by-play. And he really noticed all the good stuff, which was like the, the, the supporting cast of this whole thing. It's one thing to see Isaiah Stewart and LeBron, and there was a whole character study there. But the security guards, bro, to go from making $20, $25 blocking. an hour. He's blocking. <laughs> just miming, dude. They were like miming that they were keeping somebody out of somewhere. Meanwhile, they were like dudes on an interstate and there were cars going by 90 the miles assistants on his backside, losing his notepad, notepad, cell phone, Kindle. Referee grabs Isaiah Stewart, two hands on one wrist. Yeah, the two hand, one wrist thing was great. You don't great. see that often. That was great. And John Boy pointed out a lot of this stuff, but I thought it was incredible. One of the greatest things was the dude by the exit when Isaiah Stewart bolted left and knew exactly where LeBron was going. They panned wide again, and there was a security guard, like he's done this a hundred times, that just pointed at that exit. 
across the stadium. Like that's where he's going to intercept LeBron. I don't even know how the guy saw what happened. Auburn Hills native, most likely. Bro, yeah, yeah. Grew no, up in the palace. No question. They've been they've been doing fire drills for this thing for fucking eons, yeah. dude. They do fire drills for this thing. And imagine being a security guard. You're making twenty five, thirty dollars an hour. I don't know. Maybe they make more. They should. You should get a raise for that one. There should be like an incentive in their contract in Auburn Hills that if you have to be involved in a melee, you get a raise. In their locker room, it probably says X days since the last malice. Since the last melee. Yeah. But this guy shows up to work and he's like, man, I was just telling like drunk, sort of rich guys because that's all you need to, to get a courtside ticket at the palace, like to back up and like keep their drink off the, off the hardwood. Now I'm like literally having to get between super athletes who want to kill each other. So shout out to those security guards. You never know what you might see when you show up to work at uh, Auburn Hills. It's yeah. now Little Caesars Arena. I knew yes. we were going to get that. It's probably I knew crypto. we were going to get that. I, well, and Didn't think it was going to be from Kingston. Duly noted. You were trying to beat Kingston Th- thought today. It was, nah, I thought it was going to be Chuck85777 on Twitter. It's actually not the Auburn Hills I, anymore. Sorry, dude. Nobody's watching the fucking Pistons. I Unless you try to fight LeBron. The the you can't rhyme malice and, and palace and little Caesars. You know, what rhymes with Caesars? Caesars doesn't work as well. Yeah, Jim Moore is on the show. Uh, yeah, Jim Moore is on the show. He's an old friend of mine, and he he popped up in the news, and I was like, well, we could probably get him on the pod. You know how I know if I'm your friend if I can actually get you on the pod. So from now on, if you've been ducking me, and we're supposed to be friends in real life, maybe we're not. Jim Moore didn't duck me. One phone call. Jim Moore is like, yeah, me and Chris, we did Kilimanjaro together. He came up. Killy with us one year, did Conquering Killy for, shout out to Waterboys. Uh, we climbed Kilimanjaro. We spent a week together. Smelly, hungry, tired, in a mess tent. So I feel like if you were to be like, hey, I need you to vouch for a coach's character. I had a pretty good idea who Jim Mora is. And he was a lot of fun to be around. Uh, he's a hardworking dude. He's intense. But he's fun. I think he can relate to younger dudes. He had no problem being one of the most popular dudes in a tent full of young people, retired athletes, active athletes, military veterans. This dude was holding court. So he's going to recruit well, I think. And UConn, you got some work to do. It's like being a security guard at, at uh, Little Caesars. So of head, all the stadiums, you picked that one. Head Husky, lead dog? Lead dog, Does that bro. work? Yeah, lead dog. Hey, shout out. I want to shout out somebody real quick. Please. Brian Polian works at Notre Dame. It's like a seven-day rule for podcasters. I couldn't shout you out after the uh, Virginia game, after what you, what you did to us. But met Brian on the field with Stanford Steve because he knows everybody. And uh, he's a fan of the podcast. And that was I'd cool to hear. That cool. is uh, tough for you, huh? <laughs> to be a fan of the podcast and be a leader of young men. I mean, but he is an awesome dude. And he even, uh, he kind of pulled like a Jim Irsay at the suite the other night. You know, he's after they kicked the shit out of the bills, like he was handing the bills fans $100 bills. Well, he sent my kids uh, Notre Dame gear, and I don't know where you stand on should they get the gear. I mean, he even sent a little football. See this little football? I don't know what to do with this thing. Oh, just play with it a lot. Dirty it up. It'll uh, be brown before long. Are my kids allowed to wear like... What I need more. The, it's need just more a detail. Notre Dame football shirt. Shirt? Yeah. Like a tee? It's a yeah, tee? Yeah, it's a tee. Yeah. Okay. I, I think, yeah. Green okay. light. Shout out to Brian, and thank you. Thank you for the gear. Before I tell you about how I lost a little bit of money on your favorite team uh, our last mm. night, uh, have you been hitting the WinBet app? I have. I have hard. I was on, uh, <laughs> I was on Tulane, uh, the Tulane Green Wave 
on Monday uh, in Nassau against Drexel. There's a rainstorm and then a hole in the ceiling of the gym in which they're playing. And so there's a puddle on the court. No. To which I tweeted, I'm tweeting through this whole yeah, thing. Yeah. I said, act like the puddle is lava. Just avoid the, dribble around Should the puddle. We play that game a lot in my house. Dribble around the puddle. But no, the, the organizers of this tournament said there's a, there's a ballroom down the road in some Marriott. So hold on a second. I saw a picture of this. Me and tell me they played the rest of a basketball game. In a hotel ballroom. In a hotel ballroom. Game took six hours to be completed. How many minutes of real-time basketball were played at the uh, Nassau? There were area? not, oh, let me take a wild guess, exactly 12 minutes and 12 15 minutes. seconds. No shit. Yeah, Tulane wins 90 to 87 in overtime after a putrid second half. I'm following the play-by-play, line-by-line. It was a really, really bad uh, experience. And... Um, I win and then I give it away on Monday night, uh, much like... Um, May, can you help with the baby? Yeah. No. Actually, I'm watching a hotel ballroom basketball game. Not watching. Not watching. I wish I could have watched. I was following along on the Tulane Greenway oh Twitter Oh my feed. God. Speaking of gambling, I watched the most interesting thing Saturday night. No booze this weekend. It was awesome. Oh, I just sat wow. on the couch a, bu- a bunch. It was great. I feel like Mega Man right now. My brain is firing on all cylinders, but... Now, mind you, I'm out of my mind on an edible, so if I can't remember the uh, the, the title of, uh, of of this Netflix thing. By the way, Netflix and chill, I said to Meg, I was like... That's so, sex. Yeah, that's what I told her. She doesn't know that? She didn't get that. She was like, no, I think it's just to like watch Netflix. I was oh. like, no, Meg, it's definitely... It's sex acts. Good to know nobody's been soliciting you. Wait till I tell you about Hulu and Relax. HBO Max and, <laughs> and Relax. In. That That one's good. Okay. Yeah. But this this thing was called like bad sport or something or I don't know it was about sports scandals everything crime and sports mixed mm. together. Headache Smith. Headache. Really? You saw this? No, but I know headache. I read yeah. all about it. We were holy kids. shit. I was blown away because I, I really State. didn't know too much about this. Okay. Basically, Arizona State kid, star athlete. Hoop there's schemes. A, there's a bookie on uh, on campus. I get it. He first gets um, you know in, introduced to gambling. And like any 18-year-old kid that gets introduced to gambling, start gambling. I'm looking to my right. You can't stop. And so he was down bad to this bookie, and the bookie knew a guy in Chicago who was working in the financial district um, doing something. Uh, his money was making money. And he found out that he had a fix on campus in, uh, in Tempe because this headache kid came to the bookie uh, and couldn't come up with the money. He couldn't bank that 10K. So there you have it. You have somebody hurting for cash that's afraid um, and has got you know the NBA draft coming up and that sort of thing, but he can't wait that long. He wants to make his money. He, he needs to be able to pay that back. So this guy in Chicago is like, all right, let me get introduced to this kid. And how it would work was like the line would be 11. And you always, if you haven't seen how point shaving works, you always get to the favorite because it's easy to manipulate that line relative to manipulating the underdog because it's hard to tell a team to play better and cover a spread. It's easier to tell a team to play bad. So the line would be like 11, and he was worried about this headache kid because obviously if you haven't done something like this before, as you know, and that would put 99.9% of athletes in that category, you might not be able to hit that number you might fuck it up. So he'd give him six, like the line would be 11 and he'd be like, okay, you have to win by six to make sure that he worked extra hard. This guy was sweating balls back in Chicago 
and he's got a half a million dollars on the first game and eventually like it happens over and over again this guy headaches so good they were hitting at six on the dot like he'd somehow they would win by six so like kudos to him it's really uh, you know a, a gross thing but he was pretty fucking good at it did they he were, ever alter wins losses or was it just trying to hit a number so i think one time it was a low enough number and they were playing bad enough as a team that they ended up losing the game but generally even when he went back and really got himself in trouble he wanted to bet on their team and they didn't win the game so headache and him uh the guy in chicago kind of broke it off then headache came back and was like hey i want to i want to put a bet in on myself and the guy was like fuck so it was just crazy because the guy was sitting in chicago sweating these games out and watching the casino ticker that's all he had think about that you're trying to watch the pack 12 while you're sitting there in vegas and all you could see was the neon lights scrolling and you got a kid point shaving trying to make a number it was incredible. What's the name of the documentary? There are a couple. There's one called Bad Sport. Bad Sport. That's the one on Netflix. And there's another on Netflix called Hoop Schemes. Both both talk about the Headache Smith scandal. Oh, my God. They said the last game, they were getting their asses kicked, and they were in there at the half, and the game was being fixed by Headache, and their coach walked in, and supposedly it was like, they were playing so bad, they were doing such a good job of point shaving, that the coach was like, this game's under investigation, guys. You better get your shit together like <laughs> if, if that's me my heart would be like up here dude and he had to finish the game incredible documentary and my wife certainly thought so i mean she was it was too much for her she left after 10 minutes we can move along but uh i think you you, you foul a lot more that helps you foul more you miss free throws you miss free throws uh one thing that was interesting was they said walking the ball up the court mm, um walking the ball up the court slowly like so this headache guy he was fucking sharp sunday, sunday stroll yeah yeah they found the right guy dude yeah the guy that was into gambling knew how to fix games as well they were making 20 grand a game. The kids? The kids. There were two of them. So Headache recruited a, a buddy. They were making 20K. Uh, so like what a small investment for a, for a crooked dude in Chicago uh, to go make $500,000, but also a very risky and investment. And a good, good, good day's work for a college kid. Incredible. It's hard to fix a game by yourself, though. It's a little bit easier if you're working with a teammate. Like when Boston College got in trouble in 1979 for the point shaving scandal, it was the whole team. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it was the whole team. Yeah, this guy was a superstar to do it on his own. That's incredible. It's incredibly awful. But it, but it's uh, the guy was fucked. He was in. He was in deep. I don't want to. I'm not dumping on headache. He was a kid when he made those mistakes. But that's real. And it's an another reason why they don't want. Um, players gambling is just that like you know when you think about players gambling you think about players point shaving it's also not owing somebody a bunch of money and being in you know what i mean like because when you owe somebody the wrong person that much money there's only one way to to get out of that thing speaking of gambling i lost money on your team last well night. i'm currently investigating daniel jones yeah, i was gonna ask there's shaving. a layup there yeah, yeah yeah for not hitting the the over on monday night um two picks yeah the overlooked legit to me too bucks win 30 to 10 jason garrett has been relieved of his duties um you know how we had to call him coach yeah no longer yeah that's that back too. to that back too. to jason and i don't want to take pot shots because i like i like the garrett brothers they're very good people but we are talking about football coaching and they've been bad firing him on the odell beckham catch day is just like that's uh, the state of the giants now you can't even celebrate that the game odell was beckham against catch dallas day. wasn't it was it yeah. yeah there's a weird thing going on here yeah uh, tenth from the bottom in yards, the Giants' offense. Eighth from the bottom in points. Somehow only fifteenth in giveaways. 
Um, the three receivers colliding, which made the rounds, thanks to our buddy Dan Orlovsky on the internet, uh, that was a bad look for the G-men last night. But but Coach Garrett, uh, formerly Coach Garrett, is the you know what the Falcons collided. Their two receivers collided last Thursday night against the Patriots. Uh, and they kind of just didn't talk too much about it. I thought that was remarkable. We that three. Yeah, dude. It's tough. Yeah, tough to, to have to three is insane, dude. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to blame everything on him. Listen, he's had a lot of injuries. You know, he, he really has. I mean, when you look at Saquon Barkley, kind of a central piece. Uh, and is yeah. it time to, like, say that experiment is over? It's not time to extend the man, if you're asking me. It's just tough, because here's somebody who's, like... infinitely a better football player than me but might last like half the time because he's a running back and because uh i don't know it's just gone that bad in new york the injuries um he just doesn't look like the same player and here's what you see young kids on bad teams it can fucking wear on you because he does not look like he's got the same you know instinct hitting that hole either even when it's there I mean, like the, the repetition of shit not being there can add up. So I feel for that guy. Uh, Freddie Kitchens is finally going to get an opportunity to prove that it was all Odell and Baker. Yeah, Freddie. That'll, uh, who gives a shit, you know? With Odell and Baker out of the picture, I think he can really do a lot in New York. Yeah. I think we're going to find out. It's like uh, it was a toxic relationship for him. And this is, uh, we're going to start seeing like Mike Silver is going to be releasing uh, an article here soon. That about Freddie Kitchens not being able to do his job in Cleveland because it was Odell's fault. Well, because he's going to have Dan Dimes and Kadarius Tony. Yeah, who, by the way, maybe your quarterback is in the building. Guy's got a fucking RPG yeah. on his shoulder, dude. Heck yeah. Does this mean Danny Dimes has bought more time and that Joe Judge is like kind of like, here's... No. Yeah. God, I hope not. I think you're in for more Danny Dimes, dude. <sighs> Just, it doesn't work. See that one pick? Yeah, I saw the one pick. Here you go. I saw the one pick. I did see the one pick. And they only moved the ball for like 215 yards of offense. They weren't great. Uh, The lead of the game for me is that Brady scrambled for like 15 yards. Mm -hmm. The the Giants' pass rushing coverage is bad enough that you can't get a rush and you give a window to a 44-year-old to run 45 feet with a football in his hand on a field full of professional athletes. And at the end of it, like a drunk FIFA slide tackle. You know when you come home, well, we used to play FIFA drunk, you and me. We did. And you would just slide, you get frustrated, you just start laughing and slide tackle the fuck out of somebody. Just slide tackle the wrong guy. That's what it looked like when Brady slid through that guy's ankles. So the, the Giants were bad enough not only to not generate a pass rush, but to sit back there in zone uh, with your eyes on the quarterback. And I don't know if they were in man on that one play, but it's incredible to me that you gave up that many yards to Tom Brady scrambling. They also just couldn't get, I mean, he was baking a cake back there, dude. Well, and you know how you you take something away? Yeah. Six receptions apiece for Evans, Gronk, and Godwin, and Leonard Fournette. Go didn't really take much away when, when Brady's spreading around evenly like that. Yeah, no, they didn't take shit away. They didn't rush the passer. Uh, and Peyton explained it, like, zone is your only choice. He kills man, but you have to have pass rush. And honestly, I want to say this about the Manning cast. I had the most fun watching that in the third quarter. Okay. Uh, Condi? Well, before Condi. I thought Condi was fine. Okay, just fine. I'm, pol- I'm going to stay politically agnostic on this thing. But I thought Condi uh, actually knew a lot more about football than most of the dudes they have on there. She was one of the only people that actually nailed it when Peyton was like, what are we doing here, Condi? They asked her what she was doing on third down. And she was like, bring pressure on Brady. 
It's like the highest risk thing to say before the ball snapped. They brought pressure on Brady and they had to check it down for no gain uh, and we're off the field. So Maybe she should coach the Browns. Yeah, exactly. There was a Browns joke in there somewhere. I was surprised they didn't, they didn't press her more on that thing. But honestly, I thought the best to me when there's no guest. That's my favorite part of the Manning cast. I agree. Maybe we get down to like two guests. Two guests. Two guests would be tight. Yeah. Or just bring them in, bring them out. You know what I mean? I don't have to say like, all right, Kevin, we're gonna. All right, pal. We're gonna we're gonna be back. Uh, we stick with us. Stick. With I'm us, waiting pal. for somebody to be like, no, yeah. the delay is too bad. That'd be good. Not gonna stick with you. There was a lot of crosstalk last night. There was a lot of crosstalk. Uh, but by the way, Bill Parcells looks awesome, dude. He looks like he hasn't aged. Him and Al Grow. Anybody in that coaching tree? They look like they're just pillars of health into their 70s. Their, their hair has been white for 20-something years. We they look the same. We make fun of the hoodie, but Belichick has looks like age. he could wrestle you to the ground. A little bit. A little bit. I don't want to lock up with him, Mm-mm. but Bill Parcells, Al Grow, same mannerisms, mm-hmm. same voice, the whole thing, the whole tree. The whole tree. Hey, Thanksgiving game's coming up. Oh, we need to do a little time machine. Live. Yeah, Thursday night time machine. A Let's no do it. prep time machine. No prep time machine. Six, two, and three. You won last week, I believe, barely. Yeah, this is a big deal. This is a big. This is a swing state right here. You're only down four. Plenty of plenty of weeks left to go. Plenty. Some Which one of these shitty indoor games where the teams lost by a combined seventy-two points? There you go. Which one of these shitty football games are we going to be wagering? I'm going to do them all. Do them all. Oh well, yeah, remember that Reed? Last year, didn't points. we say we do we do multiple on Thanksgiving? Well, I was being uh, charitable when I said, "Hey, let's do them all." I don't know if I feel that way this year. Did we did we do them all last year? Let's do them all. Fuck it, we'll do it live. We'll do them all. We'll do it live. I didn't set this up. It could be six to five after this week. I know it's big. It's Iowa. That would suck. Swing state. I need Kornacki in here. Who are the quarterbacks for these teams? Am I allowed to know that? Uh, Chicago, Detroit. Right now, it is Dalton versus Boyle. The Dalton Boyle. <laughs> Dan Campbell is uh, leaning towards starting Jared Goff because he's progressing well in practice. Oh, okay. so you might have a Goff Dalton. Goff Dalton. Oh, that's pretty good. This is terrible. That's pretty good. What year is this? I made a promise to myself last year about one of these And these games games. all suck because they're all inside. You know how I feel about that. Like, can we get some outdoor football on Thanksgiving? Okay, second game. Who are my quarterbacks? And where's that game? Oh, yeah, it's inside. Chicago at Detroit. Yeah, Chicago at Detroit. There's going to be fucking Kid Rock at halftime every year. Some bad halftime show on Thanksgiving. Mm. Dallas, Las Vegas. At Dallas. Mm-hmm. We got starters there. Carr and uh, Prescott. Carr and Prescott. Okay. Okay. Zeke was a limited participant yesterday. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, his ankle, that didn't look good. And CD uh, concussion, concussion last week, did so. not practice. Coop's hurt too. O-line short as well. Short week. Short week. Jeez Louise. Okay. Okay. Nightcap. Nightcap. Buffalo, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got to think about this. Yeah, there's a couple interesting ones here. Trevor Simeon versus Josh Allen. Okay, I'm, I'm prepared. Let's start with the first game, Chicago at Detroit. By the way, we're hearing today that there's a reporter in Chicago that's hearing that Matt Nagy is being fired. Uh, I but not be, now, not now. Not now, the day after Thanksgiving. And by the way, I heard there was like some high school 
that Matt Nagy's kids were playing in football and they were chanting fire Matt Nagy or fire Nagy. It's like you're fucking losers. I haven't called high school kids losers in a while here, but what do your dads do? You fucking dorks. I mean, like seriously, dude, just have some class. Grow up. I went to a game once and somebody chanted Firestorm. That's a critically acclaimed movie. Okay? Have some creativity, guys. All right, go ahead. Okay. I usually think about what you're going to do. I haven't. I'm, we're doing this live. We're doing it at the same time? Fuck it. We're doing this live. Yeah. So I can't. I'm not even trying to game the system here. Same time? I, yeah, sure. On pal. three? Yeah, I, I guess. This is Chicago, Detroit. I'm ready. Three, two, one. Detroit, Bears, 23, 22, 21. 17. What did he say? I said Detroit by two, 23, 21. <sighs> okay. And I. I um, this is going to be fun. Detroit hurt me last year on Thanksgiving. I said no more yeah. Detroit on Thanksgiving. Okay. So that's just straight up. Yeah, straight up. For the first time this year, I believe. I like that. Okay. I want to throw up. Okay. Count us down. Three. Two, one. Dallas, Cowboys 31-17. 24-19. I said by five. 31-17. So I got them getting well at home, even though they're banged up. I know they got a bunch of injuries. And I know the, the public might be... Now, what's the line? We, we should be guessing the line. I think the line's probably three and a half Chicago or like one and a half Chicago even. Yeah, you're right. The line is Chicago by three. Okay, line, line Chicago by three. That's on the road, so it's even worse. Vegas, Dallas. I think Dallas is a five and a half point favorite at home. What do you think, Mix? Dallas banged up home to Vegas. You said five and a half? Mm -hmm. That feels right. I will say um, six. Bet the Raiders, boys. It's Cowboys minus eight. You're ten or more Cowboys. I'm nine or fewer Cowboys. Okay, ten's a big number. But one that we see often. Buffalo, New Orleans. Okay, three, two, one. Buffalo, 31-24. No, 31-23, sorry. No, it's written right. I just said exactly what you said. Okay, okay. Okay. What'd you say? 31? 34-24. 34-24, Your bills by eight, I'm bills by 10. Okay, good. I'm rooting for the fucking, the team that just backed that Brinks truck up for Taysom Hill. I feel like they just paid him. Like before this, I feel like they just paid him a couple months ago. That was last year. That was that fake contract. Next time you're going to pay Taysom Hill, just do it once. We don't need to go through this. And I am fucking happy for Taysom Hill because I don't count pockets and I'm happy for Taysom Hill. Let's not do all three of these. No, we, we got to do all three. We committed to I it. I was going to go crazy and do New Orleans until the Cowboys said that there were all those injuries. You guys want to guess the line for the last one? Yeah, I think, uh, I think Buffalo's probably a six-point favorite. I'll say Buffalo by... I mean, it's New Orleans, Thanksgiving... Four and a half. Chris is closer. Five and a half. Yeah, I think it's. I think I and I and I like the Bills there. That that's a that's a. I'm gonna rush to bet that. New Orleans without Alvin Kamara is. But are they without Alvin Kamara? I thought he was close last week. Was he not? He's questionable. He's questionable, aren't we? Then again, aren't we all? <laughs> aren't we all day to day? Huh? Right? Yeah. Hey, real quick, who's a uh, food take? bothers you more me on fingerling potatoes last night uh or matthew judon on mac and cheese it's disgusting get it off the table the bathrooms will be less busy mac jones also doesn't like apple pie this is this mac jones bleach report gridiron this is the funniest fucking graphic i've ever seen (laughs) his face 
just breathing through his mouth and talking about, I don't like the pies. I don't, I don't like, like any, any of the, of the pies. pies. Mac, dude, you're from like Alabama, dude. You're supposed to like all the pies. And Matt Judon, dude, I don't get how any human being on the planet doesn't like mac and cheese, bro. I'm actually, and I think this is in the context of Thanksgiving, right? I think I'm new to mac and cheese at Thanksgiving last maybe two or three years. I think it's a, it's a lovely You're new addition. to mac and cheese. At Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. At Thanksgiving. Okay, like got the it. last yeah, three yeah. years, I think. I was new to mustard altogether when right. you taught me about mustard at age 28. See, I'm pro... Uh, Pro mac and cheese, and your take was, oh, fingerlings? I think you can get a bad fingerling, so yeah. You can get a bad fingerling anywhere, dude. But mine looked pretty tasty, huh? No, the, the ones, ones you I sent, they were up. crispy, they were cut in half. I don't need these giant boiled peanut-shaped fucking potatoes, dude, like that, are like, that are like gold, and you got a couple herbs on there that I can't make out what kind mm. of herbs they are. Fuck those, Sold. dude. That sounds good. Fuck those, dude. They come at restaurants. It's one of the worst sides you can get at a restaurant. I'll take my chances with mashed potatoes any day. They could be the mashed potatoes out of the freezer, you know? What about a mashed fingerling? You would never know. It's all the same, dude. It's a you potato. You never know. Right, but th then it's a mashed potato. It's not. You can't have a mashed fingerling. A fingerling's not even basically a potato, dude. They're tiny. I hate sweet potatoes. Cut them in half, char them, and then I'll eat them. You I hate think, sweet potatoes. I think most people like sweet potatoes, but those of us who don't like them really don't like them. You and Mac Jones, you're on a desert island. There's a sweet potato pie. What happens? Ugh. You die. All right, let's uh, let's talk to Jim Mora, uh, current coach of the uh, well, not current coach, soon to be head future coach. future coach. Season of weird. He's in the transfer portal. He's kind of in the portal. Uh, Jim Mora. A December signing day is, is going... You're going to see more of this. More December signing days. You will. You really might see more because I, I can't wait to ask him this. There are a lot of vacancies right now. How much does this help You know, to be in early? Yep. It's got to help a lot. So, Jim Mora. If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Tennessee, or Virginia, and you haven't yet tried the WinBet app, I've got great news for you. WinBet is now offering a 200% wager match for new users up to $1,500. That's just an incredible offer. WinBet is basically giving you double your first wager in free bets. Don't pass it up. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan... 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. We have Coach Mora here, and I like saying Coach Mora because he is a coach again. The first time me and Jim Mora met was uh, in Africa, and we went up and we climbed Mount Kilimanjaro together. Coach, what did we spend, like a week together? <laughs> we spent a week together, yeah. It was pretty – maybe a little bit longer. <laughs> But it, it was, like it was a, quite an experience, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And I, I tell everybody that I meet, and I've at any time you've we've talked about you, I was talking about you with Stanford Steve the other day on here, who's really excited about you being back up there. I said Jim Mora has the lowest resting heart rate of anybody I've ever met. We were sitting in the tent just marveling at your resting heart rate at seventeen, eighteen thousand feet. It was what in the forties or fifties? Are you Lance Armstrong? Yeah, I was. I was. It was low. I, I don't know. I think you know. I think it's just genetics. Yeah, it's but, good uh, genetics. You know, I, 
I try to stay in shape. And you know what? Back then, I wasn't even in shape. I was kind of struggling. Now I'm, I'm a little bit better, but I've always kind of had a resting heart rate. I'm not Lance Armstrong, though. So you're going to be able to get in there and run with the kids. Like, you know how, like, kids get pissed when coaches run them? At least yeah. with their coach right now, if you're a UConn football player, you know that your coach could probably do what he's asking you to do, just for the record. Well, I used to run with the skill guys, and now I'm running with the old linemen, but I'm still running with them. <laughs> that was you know, me the in body, my football career. <laughs> hey, man, the body doesn't work like it used to. Yeah, you know, I like to think it does, but it doesn't. But I, yeah, I, you know what I think, Chris, at this level, if I get out there and I'm running, when they're running, I'm talking about, you know, like, let's say it's a shakeout on a Monday or something, they dig it, Yeah, you know? They dig, especially when they find out how old I am. Now, I can tell you this. I could take any of them up in the mountains yeah. and go up a hill, and I don't care if it's the most in-shape, best athlete on our team, and I'd whoop their ass going up that hill, and I'll let them know that, too. I can attest he was out ahead of the group, but when we went up Killy, I mean, this guy shot out of a can, and when you say it's time that you can walk up a hill, he just walks. Him and Mark Patterson, so shout-out to Mark. Uh, as well, who uh, just did Everest at 60 years old or 59 years old. Now he's doing yeah. what, Cotopaxi, you said? Going down to, for his 60th birthday, he's going to be standing on the top of Cotopaxi. Yeah. He told me he's going to drop down and give me 60 push-ups on the, on the summit of Cotopaxi on his 60th birthday. So. <laughs> you got to have Mark Pattison come talk to your team. Mark Pattison, of course, uh, Raider, teammate of my dad's, and then also climbed Kilimanjaro with us for Waterboy. So, Coach, I mean, being hired mid-season, like – out of left field to me. How does that come about? Because as a football fan, you're like, what? There's a hire? It's November? Yeah. Well, I mean, they, Randy Edsel decided to leave the program, so there was an opening, and uh, I think he gave me a chance because I wasn't working in football to kind of get it out ahead of some people that were working in football, connect with the athletic director, David Benedict. He, he actually, so Chris, this is awesome. So we started talking, we were doing some zoom calls, you know, we were connecting, things were making sense, but I had a trip planned to Italy. So I went to Italy for two weeks. And in that time, uh, we talked a couple times and he says, Hey, listen, when are you getting back? And I, this was uh, two Sundays ago, I'm getting back Sunday. He goes, I'll meet you in Idaho. Mm. I'm like, what? Mm. I go, I'm not, he goes, I'll meet you in Idaho. So I jump off the plane in Idaho and end up going to dinner with him that night. And then, I spent that night, Sunday night, we went to dinner all day Monday, all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday at my house. He'd come over in the morning. We'd spend all day there getting to know each other. Uh, Thursday offers me the job. We're together all day Thursday. Friday, we jump in the on a plane, jet into uh, Atlanta, drive up to Clemson, go to the game Saturday, Sunday. We come back here, go to the women's basketball game. Then we, you know, our, we, uh, we broke up a little bit, you know, we went our separate ways, but that's how it happened. And the advantages are I've been able to now go to two games of the team. I'm going to coach. Yeah. I've stayed in the yeah. background. You know, I'm not out there coaching. Uh, I'm trying to stay out of the way of the guys that are doing their jobs now and be respectful to that and the players, but it's given me a chance to work on a staff. It's given me a chance to get out ahead in recruiting. It's given me a chance to evaluate our players and it's been a huge advantage. And yeah. so, you know, when the season ends for most of the teams this Saturday or at the latest next Saturday, when we were talking about, you know, not having playoffs and bowls, but the regular season ends, I'll have a jump, yeah. you know, on some of these other teams that are still looking to hire coaches and make transitions. So it's been, it's been really good. That's and crazy. From Italy to Clemson. I'm sitting there last Saturday. I'm, I'm at the Clemson game. 
with a bunch of people I don't know. And I go, a week ago, I was on the Grand Canal in Venice, Italy with my fiance, you know, having a glass of wine and some pasta, Yeah, you know, and here I am now sitting in Clemson Stadium as a head coach at UConn. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, you know? no, no, that's, crazy. A, that's a whirlwind for you. Yeah. Coaches all over the country are, are breaking down barriers in terms of hiring diverse staffs. Are you willing, Coach, to commit on this podcast today to hiring the first, the very first teenager <laughs> to be your <laughs> clock manager? That's all the kid does. He comes with 10,000 hours experience on Madden. Who is this kid? Just, we don't know yet. Oh, yeah? Well, a lot of resumes. Yeah, because there are a lot of adult coaches that don't manage the clock well, and my co-host here is pretty upset with them and thinks that like kids that play Madden could do a better job. What do you say about clock management? Should that be a thing that a, a head coach should handle clock management, or should that coach pass it off to a teenager that plays Madden? Well, I'll tell you this. If, if there's a lot of people that will tell you I did nothing well in coaching yeah. at some of those stops that I was at before, you know, because yeah. I've been fired a couple of times. It's inevitable. Yeah, it is. You're right. If there's one thing that I can tell you that I take pride in, it's clock management. Yo. So Somebody's going to be studied, watching your games next year. They, like an eagle. No, that's good. And you see something you don't like, tell me. But I study it. I, you, you know, this whole, this buzzword analytics, Yeah. you know, I, I lean on that, but, uh, I take a lot of pride in that. I study situations. I have a log book. I got it right here actually. And it goes back through my whole NFL career and college career and making decisions and decisions I'd seen made on clock management, going for it, things like that, where I either thought I made the right decision or the wrong decision. I'd go back and write why I made the decision I made and how it turned out. Right. I go through that every Friday before every game, whether I was in the NFL or in college, I did that. I'll have a guy on my staff that is a clock management and analytics and situational guru. So I'll be locked in on all that stuff. But it's funny. I was on this radio show and they asked me that last night. You know, do you rely on analytics? I'm going, yeah, I rely on analytics. I said, I've been rallying on analytics my whole career. I've always studied computer tendencies and yeah. all those things. I said, at the end of the day, you gather all that information, and then your gut tells you something. And that gut feeling is usually based on experience, that study you've done with analytics, and then, you know, what's going on in the game. And you make the decision, hopefully, makes your team successful. Yeah, because the numbers could tell you to do something, but you might be playing against a player that you have a really bad matchup on on fourth yeah. and one, or, you know, your guard, yeah. you're on, down to your third guard or something, or maybe you've seen practice all week. You yeah, know, and maybe think, you've seen yeah. that something that the people on Twitter haven't seen. Uh, deficiency sure. in your team or somebody wasn't ready to execute. Yeah, I and mean, you know how the game's going. You know, Chris, you know how important matchups yeah. are, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the analytics or the data might say you need to go for it in this situation and do that, and going into the game, that have, may have been the case, but things changed over the course of the game, and they change by the second. I get a kick out of people to talk about halftime adjustments. I mean, Chris can attest to this. There's adjustments after every single series. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times you go in at halftime and it's a chance to just regather. Yeah. And I don't know how many, you know, there, I've been in the locker room a ton of times where there's not many adjustments made because we've made them. If you wait to halftime to make your adjustments because you're struggling, yeah. you, you know, you, you're probably going to lose. That's so, a really good call. Unless you're yeah. down 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl. I was on the mountain with him a couple of weeks later. So that was, that was the only, that's the last mention of that. Sorry, Falcons fans. That's the last mention. And, and Jim coached down in Atlanta. So there's right. a, yeah. Um, his team wouldn't have blown that lead. So you get to UConn, 
you go to dinner, it's like customary. You gotta go see Gino. You get yeah. dinner with Gino and Dan Hurley. And it's like probably cool as hell because you get to pick the brains of great coaches, which you know, you're you're in that club, but like it's a basketball school right now. It feels like, okay, you go see the basketball coaches. The football coach gets hired, he goes to dinner with the basketball coaches. It's like a rite of passage. What's it like having the government behind you, Governor Lamont, uh, saying football's important in Connecticut, and do you believe him? I do. I do believe him. He, uh, I had a Zoom call with him in the hiring process, and he was really genuine. And then yesterday morning, I was out giving out turkeys with him. So yeah. I got to spend like another hour with him. And, you know, I mean, he was looking me in the eye, man. He was shaking my hand. It wasn't just a Zoom call. And he's saying, I'm with you and we're supporting you. And it's important to us. And like the message has been consistent uh, from him, from the AD, from everyone in the athletic department, from everyone that uh, I've talked to, whether they're in government, whether they're, uh, you know, leaders in our business community, whether they're former players, uh, administrators on campus. I mean, it's important to everybody, you know, and even Gino and Gino is very honest. You know, I, I went to dinner with Gino the other night and it was like a lesson in leadership. I wish I'd had my phone out, you know, where I could have recorded everything, but he basically said, he goes, you know, just so you know, he goes, I always talk to the players and he goes, because I feel sorry for you guys because you walk around here like second class citizens, right. you know, and it takes a lot to do that. I mean, my goal is to just change the perception that people have of UConn football right now. Right. And we know that outside of these walls, the perception is not good. And in order to do that, you know, we have to, we have to make progress every day. I'm going to give you some coach speak here. You know, we have to follow <laughs> the process, all those things. But at the end of the day, as you know, we got to go on the field, we got to play good football and we got to win games. If you win games, those things take care of themselves, right. you know, people will show up and, um, and they'll support us. So I think we got to hire the right staff. We got to recruit the right athletes. We got to coach them like hell. And then we got to turn them loose and let them go do their thing and support them. And you've got two of your favorite coaches that are there right now. They were there in some of the, you know, your best years in, at UCLA and you had a great run at UCLA. What's it like to have Spanos and those guys around? Well, when I went to UCLA, as Chris is alluding to, I had Noel, Noel Mazzoni was our offensive Mazzoni coordinator. As well, yeah. He's here as an analyst. And uh, Lou Spanos was my defensive coordinator, and he's here as the interim head coach. So, we had, as you said, we had a lot of success together, the three of us. Um, and they're here. And, uh, you know, I'm working on staffing right now, and I'm sure that they have options, but we'll see where it goes. But the important thing is to be able to put together staff that's dynamic, they can relate to the players, recruit the hell out of high school players that, you know, represent what we want to be and that love ball and love to compete and love to see the players they're coaching have success. And their, their ego is not tied to themselves, but it tied to the player. And Chris, to tell you more than anyone, the coach you probably respect the most is the one that helped you become a better player so you can elongate your career, make more money, win more games, win championships, and you could trust. Yeah. And, it, you know, that's just important in coaching. And so I got to get those guys, and I will. 
and I got the teenage clock manager right here for you. The teenage ego clock thing, manager. The Madden. ego thing is where it stopped, but like everything else, she checks all the boxes. Coach, your AD, David Benedict, said you're undaunted by this challenge. I'm, I'm curious what the challenge is to you in your words, and, yeah. and do you think conference affiliation is a necessity for survival? I, there, there is Notre Dame, there is BYU. Those seem to be the exceptions to the rule, and by all accounts, UConn was right there with the ACC at a couple different junctures, and yeah. there's sure to be even more reshuffling what are your thoughts on UConn as it relates to being a conference school? I don't really care right now. I just care about winning games. You know what I mean? Like, I think a conference affiliation is great because it gives you a little more identity. Obviously, the television revenues gives you a chance to compete for a league championship. Uh, you know who your opponents are going to be year in and year out. So you get a little familiar with them, but they get a little familiar with you. Yeah. Um, you belong to something. But at the same time, I like the fact that we can go out and we can schedule the player, the, the teams we want to play. And we have some a good schedule coming up next year. And uh, we have a TV contract that allows us to lock in our game time. So we're not sitting there as a coach on a Monday, finding out time we plan a Saturday, it helps you plan a little bit. It helps our players plan. Players, I think, and coaches are creatures of habit and routine during a season. We get into routine and it helps us get prepared for kickoff. So you kind of know those things. Um, but what I like is the fact that we can go play who we want to play, where we want to play, and when we want to play them. We we'll play Michigan, Syracuse, Boston College, North Carolina State, you know, teams like that next year. If we were in a conference, we wouldn't be able to, to do that. And it depends on what conference you're in as to who you're playing, obviously. But I think David Benedict, will, he'll, he'll make the right decisions for the program, for the university going forward. So I'm leaving it to him. Yeah. And I'm just going to I'm gonna just try to win games, you know? And yeah. you win games, all that will take care of itself. If we don't win games, someone else will have to worry about it. You could be in the besides, SEC. It wouldn't matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Coach, uh, you said you want to attack the transfer portal. That's something that's been like a hot thing. Mel Tucker did a great job with that this year at Michigan State. How do you do that? And then what's the draw of bringing in kids like that? And then like, where's the point of diminishing return where, hey, if we have too many kids that aren't like born and bred UConn guys, does that ruin the the pot? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because you're hitting it right on the head. it's kind of like the NFL, Chris. So most NFL teams, they build through the draft, they enhance through free agency. You know, you build through recruiting, you enhance through the transfer portal or JCs. You, you know, you're trying to create an environment, you know, everyone uses the word culture, so you're a culture where everyone's kind of on the same page, going the same direction, speaking the same language. And if all of a sudden you start bringing in some mercenaries or renegades that you don't really know a lot about because you didn't recruit them out of high school. You haven't developed those relationships. You're taking a little bit of chance, but I also think this, the first year of your program, uh, there's going to be disruption anyway. So you can bring some guys in right? and you know, everyone knows there's change. Yeah. So it's not a shock to anybody. You always got to upgrade your talent base because you can't win without players. It doesn't matter how good a coach you are. If you don't have players, yeah, it's not, it's not about, formations and plays it's about players and football is and i really believe that um but i think that what you can do is you can you can upgrade your talent real quick now the other thing yeah the pitfall is you bring a guy in as a as a, a transfer out of the portal and he expects to 
play and start and contribute. And if it's not working out exactly how he likes it, then all of a sudden he just jets and goes somewhere else and you're left high and dry. And I don't want that to happen. I think the junior college players right now are a little bit overlooked, you know, because yeah. everyone's talking about the portal, the portal, the portal. There's some damn good junior college players out there as well. At UCLA, we couldn't take junior college players. I think I only took one. His name was Josh Kelly. He's playing for the Chargers right yeah. now. But uh, he was a special case and a special kid, but they didn't really let us do that there. Here we have that opportunity. So I'm looking everywhere. Before I came in here, I, as I told you, I was with the athletic director and a donor. Before that, I spent the whole morning looking at uh, transfer portal and junior college kids. I've looked through all our recruits and made contact there, but I mean, we're going to look everywhere for players, but they got to be, man, Chris, you know it, man, the chemistry in the locker room yeah. is critical, right? It's critical. Yeah. So they got to fit. They got to fit. They can't come in here and detract from what we're trying to be. They got to add to the, they got to add value. So what's the one thing you want to know about a, a kid that's, that's planted so to speak, that comes in, like if you could ask them one question to kind of ascertain their makeup, you've seen the tape, you know, what's that question you want to get to the heart of it with? Why are you doing this? Yeah. Why, why are you transferring? And that's got to be a multifaceted answer. Right. You know, what I want to hear is I want the opportunity to play. I want the opportunity to win a championship. I want the opportunity to enhance a team. I want the opportunity to, you know, uh, assimilate into your culture, have an effect on these players. I want to be coached hard. Yeah. You know, those are kind of like, you can ask them one question, but I want multiple answers. And why'd you, you know? leave? Why? You know, what went wrong too, you know, because yeah, why, sure why, that, why yeah. you transferring? Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I can tell you this, I'd be really hesitant to take someone that had already transferred. Yeah. You know, and you're seeing some of that guys transfer and then it doesn't work out and they want to transfer again. And I'd be really hesitant because you know, that means it didn't work out at team one. It's not working out at team two. You know, that's that to me, that's a pretty big risk right there. Yep. And also, yeah, no, no question about it. And Juco kids, you mentioned, which was really a great point. And Kyle Long, we know, I know one the Juco kid, the Saddleback College out there in uh, Mission yep. Viejo. So recruiting, you mentioned it. Do you think recruiting is going to be easier at UConn in a way than UCLA, like geographically? Because you are you guys going to be like going all the way out west to grab kids? I feel like if you're at UCLA, you got to recruit the west half of the country. Like those are longer plane rides, they're longer car rides, they're longer bus trips. However, you get there at UConn, are you kind of starting small? Or are you going to just hit everywhere? I mean, you just mentioned JUCOs and community college yeah. kids. Nah, we're gonna we're gonna work the the, the area here. Uh, the Northeast, the Eastern Seaboard. I think we can go into Georgia and be effective. Um, I'm going to tell you this: if there's a really good football player that you know can make it here as a student and socially, yeah, and he's in, you know, Southern California. I'm not going to say no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if he wants no to question. be here, and I'm never going to concede anybody. I mean, I know there's some kids that you know it'd be stretches for them to come here, but at least I'm going to make contact with them and try to get them. But uh, I think we got to hit Virginia. Whoa, you know. whoa, whoa. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he's, coming Buddy, he's coming down. Coming. He's coming down to Virginia. Oh, we're coming. Yeah. I'm coming after you. All right. He's coming after us. I mean, trying to get, trying to schedule Virginia here in a couple of years, actually a game with them. And uh, that'd be awesome. Be after, we, yeah. I think we've been but to the they wrench. Might be good. They might be good by then. So we've maybe. been to the wrench, I think, twice in the last decade, came back with L's. So yeah, that might yeah, not be yeah, so good. You're for right. Us. You're right. The yeah. last, well, we played UConn ah. at home. 
in 2007, and that was a barn burner. So they're usually pretty entertaining games. It, like you're 60, you talked about being older and that sort of thing, but you got youthful energy. But you probably don't want to like just straight kiss kids' asses. Like that's the way recruiting is kind of going now. I feel like as an outsider, I'm just speaking for myself. I feel like you got to like really beg kids now and jump through hoops and do all the extra. Like, how do you walk that line of being like, I'm an old school football guy, but now I got to jump into the recruiting uh, mess and there's coaches just doing anything they can to convince a kid that coming to my school is the right thing. I got to have a great staff of recruiters that can connect maybe through Madden and some of those other ways. <laughs> TikTok. Uh, yeah, TikTok. You won't probably Jamar is getting on TikTok. TikTok videos out here. But <laughs> yeah, I think one of the other strengths I have, I don't have many, but between, <laughs> between <laughs> clock management and then my ability to relate to kids, yeah. you know, or younger people, I've always had that. Yeah. And, and really relate to uh, diverse people. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't know, man, I grew up doing this and, yeah. and uh, it's easy for me to communicate with really anybody, you know, and engage. And I still, as you know, I, st- I hate it. You just keep saying freaking 60. So let's just stop that. I'm only, I've only been 60 for like four days. So. Well, you put it in an article. It was in my research here, in my notes, coach. Yeah, I know which you was did. a shock to me because he ran up the mountain like he was 17. I got to be careful, but, uh, you know, I, I, the kid, I think the most important thing, Chris, is that the, the players you're recruiting, they know that you're going to help them be better players, yeah. better men. Their parents believe that you can help turn their kids into the young man. They always thought that they'd be, or that you can help them be good football players, get their degree and help them get to the league. They all want to get to the league. Yeah. And I can tell you this, you know, I've coached, I don't know, I've coached at least 30 members of the pro football hall of fame, maybe yeah. it's 28. I don't know. It's a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot of great players. And, uh, right now, 30 of the kids that I coached and recruited at UCLA are playing in the league. Mm-hmm. So players want to hear that. And then, uh, they need to know that you, you care about them and that they can trust you. And at this point in my life, I'm not going to say how old I am again, <laughs> there's no ego involved in terms of like, what can I get? Right. It's You've more had like, it what all. can I give? Like my, my ego is going to be massaged by the success that the coaches and the players that I'm working with have, mm-hmm. because I, I'm, you know what? I'm good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, man, I don't need anybody to, to, to tell me how good, well I'm doing, or I don't need that. Yeah. You know, I don't need to go anywhere else. I don't need to be hunting for another job. I just want to see the players have success and they, I'm going to have a young staff and I want to see those guys have opportunities to learn and move on. And, uh, I think they'll feel that from me. You know, I think there's when you're genuine and they can trust you, you got a chance, even if you're in your sixties and a, and a big notch in your belt too. But besides like the awesome tenure at UCLA, I mean, you talk about winning back to back double digit, win yeah. seasons. I mean, that's big. And I know it's not the easy, it's a great place, but it's also there are challenges that you don't have it's at hard, other schools, man. right? You know, Virginia, it's we talk hard. about that too. So yeah. you've, you've thrived there. Um, you had 30 NFL players over your tenure, as you mentioned, uh, out of UCLA alone. Um, but you also turned down, is this true? You turned down the Texas and the Washington jobs while you were at UCLA. You turned those jobs down. I did. I did it for several reasons number one you know when i was recruiting kids at ucla and i'd tell their parents i'm going to be 
here where your kids here. Right. I couldn't go back on that. Number two, you know, I'd walk into team meetings and we'd be talking about integrity and character and, you know, uh, commitment to each other and the team. And I'm standing up there as their, you know, their leader talking about these things. And if all of a sudden I just up and left for, you know, what everyone perceived was a better job with more money, like what lesson am I teaching those kids? And the next time someone walks in and says, you know, we got to play for each other and we got to be committed to each other. And we got to, they go, man, I've heard that before. Yeah, exactly. And, and as you know, a lot of these kids have been let down a lot in their lives. Right. You know, some of these kids haven't had the, the upbringing that, we were fortunate to have yeah. people they could depend on. And all of a sudden you're someone they're starting to depend on. And then you bail. Yeah. I didn't like that at all. I didn't like that thought. And so if I'm going to tell a kid, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there unless someone else makes the decision for me, which was made at UCLA. That wasn't my decision, yeah. you know? So I don't have any, you know, like guilt about leaving those players. Cause I didn't make the decision to leave them, but I wouldn't, I don't know that I could leave kids that I made a promise to or their parents. I made a promise to. So that's real, but man. There's not a lot of, co- I feel like all every coach is in the transfer portal nowadays. And I think it's like the, the, yeah, I don't like that. the double standard now is a little bit crazy. Like I get the coaches should have mobility and players should too, but especially when you're a leader and you stand up in front of a group and you tell people like, we're locked in here for 10, 12 weeks. Like that's a big thing is like, when this door closes and we make cuts in the NFL or once you show up in camp, like we're all together and I've made promises to your family and to you. So I, I want to commend you on that. And also UConn players should hear that. And UConn fans should hear that, that this guy is a loyal dude. Even when Washington, who's like, you grew up in the Seattle area, uh, uh, played there. you play and you coached at, at the Seahawks. And then that Texas job, everybody wants it, and you turn those down. So two NFL jobs that I don't really talk about. Yeah. I mean, I, they weren't offered to me the NFL jobs, but there was. I probably could have got them. Do you want to say know? which ones? No. <laughs> okay. Speaking of the NFL, you talked about when people were curious. Hey, you've been out of it a while. Uh, the grind of recruiting is something. It's nice sitting in Sun Valley. I mean, now you're going to be on the road and that yeah. sort of thing. And any concerns you quelled by saying I've coached in the NFL? Like that's where these kids want to go. So, like, if I were a player and you're sitting in my living room and I'm asking you, well, coach, what do I have to do to play in the NFL? All the great players you coach in the NFL, what's the thing that they have in common from your experience? What is that? It's a mindset. You know, it's a mindset that controls their work ethic, their attitude, their standard of uh, performance, of preparation. Um, It's... uh, to hold themselves accountable and those around them com- accountable. As you know, the level of talent in the NFL between the good and the great is minuscule, mm-hmm. but it's that mindset that you bring every single day to all parts of your life that separate the good ones from the great ones. And I would tell them the mindset that we create for you and, and, and how that cascades into all the other areas of your life. That's what's most important to me. Sure, you better have ability because if you don't have talent, you can't play in the league. But what's going to separate you is that mindset and how that affects your work work ethic and all those other things. To me, that's the thing. Like, you know, I look at those those Hall of Famers that I've coached, and I can't say that all of them were the most talented, physically gifted players I coached, but I can tell you this, they all had the same quality of conviction and mindset. And I think that's what made him great. You know, you talk about, you know, guys like Steve Young and Jerry Rice or 
Ronnie or, yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on and that I've been fortunate to be around. And it's like, man, they all had one thing and that was just freaking, they were just dogs, you know? And, uh, they were all good people, but they, they were, they were, there was a determination that was just undeniable. And people always ask me like, you know, who had the most effect on you as a coach and what coach, I always say, what coach? I'm like, well, my dad. Yeah, that's like tough when people ask me about yeah. football. They're like, who's your favorite player growing up? I'm like, oh, well, yeah, let me give you a 1B. Yeah, it was, it was number seven. It was my dad. Yeah. You know? but, yeah. so, but I always say this is like, like I was around Bill Walsh, Jim. I mean, I was around a lot of good ones, but the yeah. guys that I got the most out of were the players right. that I coached. Right. They taught in the NFL. Those are the guys that taught me the lessons that I needed to know. When I'm out there on the field with Steve Young and Jerry Rice, and I'm watching how they practice and sitting by them in meetings and listening to them in the locker room. It's like, okay, now these are, these are the lessons I have to remember because these are the dudes, you know? Yeah. And a uh, lot to be learned from those guys. And man, thank God I got to be around. You coached against Jerry right in the early nineties when you were in new Orleans. Yeah. I then mean, I was and then you, get to, you get to coach against him in practice. Yeah. You know, when and you get, get to, to t- hang out with them and yeah. get to be friends with them. Yeah. And then you're on a practice field playing, played against Steve Young. Then all of a sudden I'm sitting next to him in every meeting. And here's yeah. Steve Young, who's been in that system forever. And he sits there and I, I always sit, I would always sit right there with him. You know, we're installing a play that he's heard like he's run probably like a gazillion times. Yeah. And he's taking notes like it's the first time he's heard it. Right. I'm going, okay. This dude's different. That makes sense. Yeah, it, it well, adds you know, up. This, this used to blow me away, Chris. So here, here you're, you're San Francisco with Jerry Rice, who's arguably, or maybe not arguably, the greatest receiver of all time, at least of his generation. And these rookie receivers are coming in. And if I was that guy, if Jerry Rice put his right foot shoe on first i'd put my right shoe on first if he taped his left wrist three times i'd do i mean whatever he did i would do yeah and you see these kids come in and uh, there's the greatest example ever right in front of them and they would they'd like ignore it yeah it like blew me away it absolutely blew me away you know yeah that's wild i mean i tried it, to i tried to i tried to capitalize on those opportunities to learn yeah if you you're know, young and you've got somebody like that in your meeting room you better just follow that motherfucker i don't care if he doesn't act like he likes you you just follow him to lunch you follow him in the meeting yeah. room you do the whole thing but if you yeah. gave me a favorite nfl game memory and then a least favorite memory and why would it be trey junkin in that play <laughs> but like for, start with the good start with your favorite if you could relive one game where you were coaching could be as a position coach a moment that sort of thing that you look back on and smile and then when you look back on and shake your head I'm going to tell you that my favorite game of all time was the uh, divisional playoff game against the Rams my first year at Atlanta. We just beat the dog out of them. And we ran for an NFL record, I think, number of yards that game. And uh, it got us the NFC Championship game. And it was really special in a lot of ways. Number one, my dad, who won as a, as a head football coach in the NFL, USFL, and college, won like 185 games. But in the NFL, he he's the only coach, I think, or there's only two or three that won over 125 games but never won a playoff game, and that had haunted him. Right. And going into that game, I think what he was worried about was that if we lost that game, my first playoff game as a head coach, that I would take – people would attach his record to, to mine and it would be, oh, they can't win a playoff game. And we beat the, 
we beat the hell out of the out of the Rams. And uh, I loved that I grabbed the game ball, you know, the actual game ball. We all give out a lot of game balls and stuff, but I grabbed that thing for one reason, and that was to give it to my dad later on. And uh, we went back to my house and all my buddies were there and they were all partying. I was getting ready for, for the next game. But just to have that moment where I just said, hey, dad, this one's for, you know, this one's for us or for you. You know, we, I think what I said is I said, hey, we got one. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I get goosebumps thinking about that right now just because I remember how it made him feel. So that I think that might was probably maybe my favorite moment in coaching. And then my least favorite moment happened the very next week when yeah, we went to Philly. Is. Yeah. And just you know, we, we just, we couldn't get it done. And, uh, you know, so really disappointing when you lose that NFC championship game back to back, and, you yeah. know, you realize you're not going to the super bowl. And that was, that was a tough one. That's that football one. though, man. That's football. Your best yeah. moment one week. And then the one you don't want to remember the next weekend. You Isn't talk it true. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. You talked about running, uh, the football in that football game, you know, like right now, a lot of what we do in the college and pro game is quarterback run stuff. Brett yeah. Hundley had a lot of yards, but I was debating with the guys, would you call Brett Hundley like a great athlete? I don't want to take anything away from him, but I'm not saying he's not like a Kyler Murray that if I was playing Brett Hundley, I'm terrified of him tucking right. the ball and running. So are you looking at, hey, when we go out and find a quarterback, he's got to be a pro-style guy. He's got to be a guy that can that can create another dimension of offense for for us on that side of the ball. Does he have to be athletic? Does he have to be tall? Like, what are you looking for in that quarterback? And does the run game have to be part of it? So I would say the first thing is I want a great decision maker. So before I go and I say I want a guy that can run or throw or do or whatever, I want a decision maker. Because yeah. if, if you're not a great decision maker at the quarterback position, you're careless with the football or you can't manage the clock or you can't get the call and get it communicated, then you got no chance of success, in my opinion. Um, after that, I would like Chris. Uh, I would like a a thrower that can run mm -hmm. over a runner that can throw. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So I want a guy that can. I think you got to be able to sling it, but I want a guy that is a can run yeah. rather than a guy that is a great runner. But when he drops back to throw it. You're like holding your breath a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I would say that's what I'm looking for, and I think that's you know I think you classify that as a dual threat now yeah. the way they talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but I think about Kyler, and I think about uh, you know the guys that are playing in the NFL and having a lot of success and kind of transforming the game, and I I think those are the kind of guys I'm thinking about. Like you can say, well, Kyler Murray is. You know, God, he's such a great runner. Well, have you ever seen him throw it? Oh, I mean, he, he throws the piss it. out of the football. That's he's what separates him. Yeah, I mean, it scares yeah, you. Yeah, he can sling it. Yep. And we all get enamored by when he takes off and runs because it's fun to watch and it's so dynamic. But uh, Or Lamar, same yeah, thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all love it when he runs because it's, it's like, you know, it's like the video game. But those dudes can throw the ball. Yeah. You know, so I'd characterize them as as guys that are passers and quarterbacks, but they can run, and I, that's what I'm looking for. And you can develop those guys too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because quarterback development in the pros is harder than I think probably when you get them in a blank slate at 18, yeah. and you can change mechanics and that sort of thing. Make before we let Coach Jim Mora go. You had a uniform question. You want to put them on the spot? Did you get any promises, Coach? Any say over the unis? I mean, they're they're. 
close, I think I mean, we're getting we close. agree on. Yeah, we're getting close. But they're not quite there. Yeah. Do you care? What do you uh, want to see? Well, yeah, we unfortunately, <laughs> you, you, got him, you got here. him figured out, Coach. All right, here we go. I think you are stuck with that that fierce husky you have there on your sweatshirt. Stuck. I would love to go back to the handsome, flowing, lettuce-friendly husky that yeah, yeah, we the know less scary of old. One. He's, he's that retro. one's a bit oh, more scary. This guy right here, yeah. Yeah. He's Jonathan. He's scared this is of John- Jonathan the 14th, and he's sticking around. Okay, you 14. hear that? He could maybe be the, the clock man. He's got to get guy. a husky and everything now to really buy into the culture. Well, so. here's the great thing. is I can I, I played at University of Washington. We were the huskies. Yeah. And now I'm a Husky again. And when I was a kid and my dad was coaching at UW, we had six Husky. We had a Husky and then we had a litter. I'm thinking about getting myself another You had another six dog. Huskies? Yes. You had a pack of Huskies? You need to get oh, another pack should, of Huskies. Yeah, he's running it back. I, Run we it were back. freaking up in Alaska on us. You know, they were yeah. Taking, yeah. Across the, taking us across, across the tundra. Doing the Iditarod oh. up there in, yeah. in, uh, <laughs> in Connecticut. Okay, what are you going to name this hypothetical dog? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh... You got a suggestion for me? Macon. Macon. Macon's not bad. <laughs> Macon's not bad. Oh, Dan Orlovsky. Yeah. Orlovsky. Name him Orlovsky. Just like Orlo or something Orlo. like that. Orlo. Name him Orlo. Orlo. Orlo's That's also good. what you should be Danny looking Boy. for. You should also no, be looking Orlo. for an Orlovsky. Because you know what? But he you needs know, to become a big a donor. He needs to become a big donor, Orlovsky. Or, yeah, you should money. put in a call and tell him that any check that he wants to write. Well, I actually talked to him last week. He's great because we worked together at ESPN. Yeah. So I know Dan. Orlo. I think, you know, Orlo, Orlo would be a, I'd be a good name. You think it's Siberian Husky? That's Orlo. That Tall kind of dog. We need a check, Tall though. Dog. We need yeah. a check along yeah, with it. Yeah, we need it. a check. He gives you the check. He gets naming rights. It's like a building, but cheaper. I like that. And and yeah. I tell you what, I, I, uh, I hired a guy yesterday. I can't, I'm not allowed to tell any names but he sent me last a text last night he goes now my daughter is insisting we buy a husky yeah a dog there you so, go the whole coaching staff cool. needs dogs all right cool yeah. a lot of mesh routes coach i tell <laughs> okay. you when football games okay. in, in college and, this, this and, a, and a teenage analytics guy <laughs> right. mesh routes, and you don't like the and you don't like the look i got all that He's, written down, all written down like steve young and you can get my information from the guys if you have an opening if you're trying to fill He'd a love spot to leave this fucking podcast hey <laughs> i'm gonna uh I'm going to get with our president later on and run some of the things by him that you recommended. Yeah, please, Great. please. And we can yeah. start recruiting yeah. Virginia. Okay, I'll recruit right. Virginia <laughs> for you. <laughs> there we hey, go. You get fired. <laughs> hey, Coach Mora, man, that great. It feels great to call him Coach Mora. Appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. Congratulations. We're now like uh, just kind of Huskies fans. Yeah. So you team. play Virginia, so. Kinda. Yeah. Until you, you play Virginia. You Until you play husky. Virginia. Don't give me that. You can be Husky. We fan. need gear, coach. We need gear. That's all we need. We oh, need I gotta gear get you some gear. I'll get you some gear. Okay, there and we maybe go. an audible kind of along the lines of Omaha, like a little green light, green light. Green light pod, green light pod. You know. What about Cavalier? Oh yeah, I like green light. Green light pod. Yeah. Green, green, light, green, green, light, green light. Green light. That's good, green coach. Green light. Green NIL light. deal for whoever you want. Yeah. Oh, all right, man. There we go. All right, guys. See you, buddy. Take it easy. All right. Thanks. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Visit TickPick.com. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K. Got rid of all the service fees that the other sites charge. TickPick guarantees the best prices on all of their NFL games. If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. If you're like me, 
and you can't wait to get back into an NFL stadium, visit TickPick.com. Hey, I just want to be the first to say I'm really hey, thankful. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. For, uh, I want happy to be, Thanksgiving. I'm very thankful to, for the to whole Matt crew. And Reed, to Matt and Reed, Taylor, Taylor, John, yep. Ralph, Brian, and to you, my friend, I already Chris. covered it. I covered it. We did that already. Uh, a lot of crosstalk there. But I am thankful for everybody here. We work really hard, a lot of us in this room. <laughs> a lot of us are in here like the whole week. So I just, I really want to thank reed taylor and matt and i also want to obviously i'm fucking around i'm not fucking around about being thankful for them but i don't want to make light of of your role here i'm very thankful to have a friend that i that i've known my whole life that if i wanted to dip my toe into the media as scary as that place can be i have a buddy that i grew up with sitting right here and that's pretty good and you're great at this man obviously so thank you for being here Thank you very much. Yeah. It's very kind of you. Yeah. I'm, I'm thankful for this opportunity, I think. And um, it's, uh, it's a really, really unique, um, very cool job. Get to talk to people like uh, Jim Mora or talk to Robert Mathis, Chris, for fuck's sake. Stanford Steve on Friday. Oh, yeah. By the way, Robert Mathis is coming up. And we're thankful for you, Macon. He forgot to say that, but I definitely am and appreciative. I'm thankful of- for all of the listeners. Please uh, download and uh, subscribe. If you've made it this far, leave a five-star review, and I personally will have someone else send you something. I am really thankful for um, Macon's daughter. What a blessing she is. And y'all have a great, <laughs> y'all have a great Thanksgiving. And my kids as well, just to cover all the bases. And my wife, and Macon's wife. I'm thankful for her too. She's awesome. I also want to say we're thankful for Dr. Facts, for Nate. And uh, I wanted to say thank you for the turkey that he dropped off at my house from Kelly Bronze. And hey, did you get a turkey at your house? No, I can get my own turkeys. (laughs) I hit everybody, man. So you're good. Take care.